what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Happy Friday. This, of course, is Cody Michael. I'm joined, as always, by Seth Ott. Oh, yeah. And Jared Buckendall. That is me and people. We did spend the whole wanker's budget on a projector for that, so you're welcome. <laughs> Very expensive. We had to get an extra loud projector so that we could get the sound recorded. Very tough. But just so you all know, the wanker budget is being put into making this a very high-quality show. And that's the kind of stuff you got to do for a high-quality show. I know you might be thinking, you can just get a sound effect online. You didn't need to buy a whole projector. We hold ourselves to a higher standard, and we hope you will too. So that's the kind of things we do. Also, unrelated, if anyone would like to buy an old-timey movie projector, <laughs> uh, hit us up at mail at sociallyconstipatedpod.com. It is very expensive, but if you have a good offer, just let us know. We, of course, are socially constipated. We are back once again with the Entertainment Outhouse, here to send you into the weekend with some reviews, some movie news, some TV news. This week, lots of reviews. It was a big weekend over the 4th of July holiday for new things coming out. And surprisingly, we all had time to actually watch stuff. So we've got a number of reviews to get into. We've got a couple things in the world of headlines that we'll cover in just a second. But before we dive into game time this week, just want to remind everyone, head over to sociallyconstipatedpod.com. You can click on all the episodes, leave us comments, join the mailing list. And there are links there to all of our social media profiles as well. We also have a fee mailing um, list just to make it. Yeah, we do have a fee mailing. Yep. Yeah. The fee mailing list, you can just jump into my Instagram DMs <laughs> and I will make sure that you're added to all the subscriptions. So just type in your email and your measurements and then um, <laughs> oh I will we'll be in touch. That's a good idea, Seth. We should act never. You're getting me off track. Um, (laughs) If you listened to Socially Constipated this week, Monday's episode, then you'll know that we gave out a couple pairs of movie tickets. Actually, our very own JB was the beneficiary of one of those pairs of tickets. Make sure you're out there liking, commenting, uh, joining the lists, following us on all the platforms. Never know when we're going to be giving out movie tickets or some other prize. So go to the website, click all the things, become an anchor wanker, check out the sponsors, all of that. And uh, you just may find yourself surprised with a couple of movie tickets. So that's kind of what's going on behind the scenes. So let's jump in and get this episode going. We're going to get into game time here. We're going to bring back another classic. This is going to be, well, I guess we didn't talk about retitling it. It used to be our SoCo second draft. So I guess our socially constipated second draft easily the most energetic sounder that we have on the board yes (laughs) Um, the most work put into it i took me hours and hours we already talked about the projector i had to buy an old-timey typewriter to get Mm -hmm. that one so uh fun fact uh he did um and i have it yeah i actually do have an old-timey typewriter do you (laughs) Yeah, I think we were like cleaning out one of my grandparents' places or something. I was like, what is that in the briefcase there? And they're like, oh, it's a typewriter. We're going to throw it away. And I was like, no, you're not. I'm going to take that. (laughs) That's a prop. Yeah, there we go. All righty. So for those who don't remember the SoCo or the just the second draft, we can call it. I take a plot synopsis for a movie. Uh, I'm going to take out words. In this case, we have five words. So you'll each have uh, two and then you can come together for a fifth uh, choice for a word. But essentially it's Mad Libs. So I take taken out five words and we'll replace them with some random gibberish that we come up with. We'll read off the, the new to, the new synopsis and then these guys will try and guess what the movie is. So the first thing I need is a period of time. Who would like to go first? Cody, if you don't mind, uh, I'm, I want to take point here. 
I'm going to say ahead. the Great Depression. <laughs> the Great Depression. <laughs> That's a period of time, right? That works. I thought for sure. I was like, I was like, there's no way Jared doesn't pick the 80s. Like, <laughs> nope. Having a bad day. We're going Great Depression, yeah. baby. <laughs> you, can, uh, you can definitely tell how my mood is by the answers I'm going to be giving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to skip ahead. Blank number two. We're going to go with death and sorrows. <laughs> <laughs> no, this next one is a profession, actually. Mortician. Mortician. <laughs> I see a, I see a, 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 a theme is emerging. Yeah, there we go. Theme. That Words are hard today. Well, uh, luckily for you, we need you to give a noun. A noun. A snickerdoodle. Okay. Great noun. Great noun. Snickerdoodle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cody, I need a, a piece of technology from you. Typewriter. Typewriter. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Breaking age technology, the typewriter. And then finally. Crazy high tech. You both need to agree upon a noun. How about a fork? Ooh, yeah, let's go with that. Do you want a fork? Yeah. Fork. I, for some reason, my brain was uh, on, on like lawn stuff, and I thought rake, but a fork. I like a fork. Food rake. Yeah, Replace food fork rake. with food rake. We'll get best of both worlds. <laughs> okay. Food rake? Is that what you yep. want? Food yep. rake. That's what Tom Haverford calls him. All right, so I plug these into the old uh, second draft typewriter here, and... We'll go ahead and read off this new plot synopsis. So, hold on. I didn't you hear you we, type it up. Do you, do you think we can run this through? Do you got to type them, or should we run it through the titillator? Sure, go ahead. Run it through the titillator. <laughs> okay. I'll run it through the titillator in a second. Before this, I just want to mention, this is absolutely what I thought we were doing last week. <laughs> really? I had forgotten also what Thesaurus Theater was, and so when you started doing it, I was like, wait, this isn't the game, is it? <laughs> and then, then you brought this up, and I was like, oh, I was confusing the two. So, yep. okay. Anyway, we're repurposing the titillator to get our, our entries put into this synopsis here. It's going to make no sense here in a second. Okay. In the Great Depression, a lonely mortician develops an unlikely snickerdoodle with a typewriter designed to meet his every food rake. Wow. We really <laughs> messed this one up. You know what? Shockingly enough, I am pretty sure I know this, but also I would watch this movie. <laughs> if, if a Great Depression mortician struck up a relationship with a typewriter, I feel like I would definitely well, watch the fuck out of that. It's not a, it's not a relationship. It's an unlikely snickerdoodle. Oh, sorry. Right. Sna- that's what I call my relationship. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, honestly, now I want to call my relationship a snickerdoodle. Like, I want to be in a snickerdoodle with you. Um, yeah. Wow. I, I'm changing my life. That's that's the new, yeah. So if anyone out there wants think... to be a, have a snickerdoodle with me, uh, hit me up. That also sounds like a, a like a hip way to say three way or something. Oh yeah, I like Ooh. that. Yeah, hey, you me, down for Stacey a snickerdoodle? Stacy and Tammy had ourselves a snickerdoodle. <laughs> yeah, was... Complete side note: I heard that if you're at a grocery store and you see someone with a pineapple upside down in their cart, they're swingers. So uh, fun fact, what? people. <laughs> yeah, that that's a time a conversation for a different time, Seth. I'm sorry, I just had to throw that out there. <laughs> really. Well, let's yeah. save that for for the upcoming socially constipated <laughs> podcast. Monday, tune in Monday for more about the upside down pineapples. Um, <laughs> I guess we can do episode teases like that now. That's pretty yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm curious. Uh, for some reason, I've I've never seen this movie, but Wally is coming to my mind. I, I'm assuming that's way. So off. your your guess is Wally. I guess I don't know. I think Cody has this one though. Cody, what's your guess? Uh, Wally is a great guess, and you very well could be right. I'm thinking that it's her. Oh. All right. Well, I will yeah. say one of you. One of you is correct. Should we do a drum roll? 
if if we got this right, then we're gonna go have a snickerdoodle afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be involved you in your snickerdoodle. You have to. <laughs> you have to, or it's not a snickerdoodle. Then. No. <laughs> Drum roll, please. Cody is correct. Ah, there he goes. So the actual uh, surprised. The actual plot synopsis: In a near future, a lonely writer develops an unlikely relationship. That's Cody already filled that one in mm-hmm. with an operating system designed to meet his every need, not every food rake. So yeah, <laughs> and the, and I was gonna give you a hint too if if uh, neither of you had any clue that that an actress uh, has a movie, movie coming out this weekend, that you probably could have discerned that. Pretty easily. That's right. Yes, midsummer. Yeah, midsummer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. It could've, that could have worked as well if I would have done that movie. Huh. No. Well, I am the queen. You guys have both seen her, right? Excellent yeah. fucking movie. Yep. Me and you watched it for the oh, first so time, good. I think, like when we were living together. That's right. Yeah. It, it's. I was shocked to find out they actually they they made the whole movie with a different voice, and ScarJo came in later. Yeah. And, oh, really? And did all her parts. Yeah, true story. There's also um, one of the things you ever you ever watch a movie and you're like, man, I wish I had gotten to see this get done like without all the movie magic on it. There's a scene in that movie where uh, ScarJo, who is a disembodied voice in the movie, has an orgasm. And I remember watching that and thinking, man, to be in the room where she was just recording (laughs) that must have been fucking hilarious. And that's one of the all-timers that I think about, like, oh, wow, that must have just been such an awkward and weird setting for her to have to go record in. We rarely have to record orgasms for our podcast, but when we do, it takes us forever. It's not as sexy as, as you I think, think. So. I think there's the one is, in there, isn't I'm, there? I'm usually done in about five seconds. I think there is <laughs> there, there is an orgasm sound, I'm pretty sure. There is an orgasm sound? Yeah, it's waka waka. No, you're going <laughs> to... What? No. Bada boom. Uh, that's no. it. I know which one it is. Oh, this one? Uh, mummy. There you go. That <laughs> yeah, that's the one. There it was. Oh, wow. Um, How'd I know? Yeah, I just Ooey looked gooey. It, I looked it up about the voice, <laughs> and they actually did a reverse All the Money in the World, and Christopher Plummer was originally the voice. and then they, Oh, wow. And then ScarJo came in. Wow, yeah. I can only imagine that scene we were just talking about with Christopher yeah. Plummer. I think that that, oof, that would have been a lot different. It was steamy. It's actually I bought the DVD because it's in the deleted scenes on the DVD. But it's wow, the only I'm glad place you bought you a DVD it. in 2013. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, well, you know, I still uh, I still have a PlayStation Four, and the only thing it's useful for now is DVDs. So uh, yeah, I just be listening to Christopher Plummer get his rocks off, and that's pretty wow. much what entertains wow. me since oh, I can't play Ratchet and Clank. Wow, <laughs> that do you like? That's that's Schwarzenegger if he was in. Ah, gag, gag. Ah, ah, put the snickerdoodle down. <laughs> ah. <laughs> oh my god, that's honestly you could have been doing Christopher. Pl- I couldn't tell you what Christopher Plumber sounds like. I would never. No. He just sounds like a white guy to me. So, but I'm glad Arnold made an appearance. Da, um, da, indeed. So we got her starring Scarlett Johansson, who will appear in next weekend's. Black Widow. Big recommend on her if you haven't seen it. Go check that one out. It was the subject of this week's second draft. I just figured I'd spice that one up a little bit. I you guys might like that one. We're off to a good start here on the Entertainment Outhouse. Let's take a look at some of the headlines this week. If you're you're sitting down, make yourselves comfortable and uh, reach onto the back of that toilet for some bathroom reading. Sitting on toilet. 
One of the pieces of news that I liked this week, I actually just read this today, and it's a quickie, is apparently for Venom, uh, Let There Be Carnage, which is coming out, maybe one of you guys can help me. Is it later this year? I believe um, October. Uh, maybe they moved October it. October would make sense. I have no um, clue. Eddie. <laughs> Eddie. So Tom Hardy, of course, who was, I think, the only reason Venom 1 was successful, if, if we boil it down. He actually is having a career first. He's going to get a story by credit in Venom 2. Apparently, he worked along with the writers from the beginning at trying to figure out what would the story of the Venom sequel, what would it be? And apparently he had such a such a big hand in the writing and, and especially of the story creation at the outset that he's going to get a, a writing credit for this one, which I just thought was awesome. I like when an actor or a director or whoever takes just a, t- like really takes ownership of a property and, and is willing to dive into any part of it. And it seems like Hardy really likes playing Venom. And I think that shows here. It'd be pretty easy for him to just to say, all right, studio guys, you do it and I'll be in it. And he'd still get his money, but I like taking an elevated role not every actor of course can do this he can only do it because he's tom hardy but i thought that was this was cool news tom hardy is a guy that i tend to root for and um this was just one of those things that made me go oh dope like i don't know how often this happens but i like the idea of the the actor being involved in the writing too because i think it's going to get get maybe a little more honesty out of some of the dialogue or the settings or, or whatever it is because he had a hand in it from jump so i just thought this was pretty cool i don't know if you guys read this at all what if, what if he was just like the uh, black slime alien fights the red slime alien. <laughs> Go. I that think the audience fight. really uh, grasped on to me saying Eddie or him <laughs> saying Eddie to me. I think we should put a lot more of that in there. I think, I, I don't know, I kind of look at this as almost a very similar kind of situation where, you know, Ryan Reynolds to Deadpool. I think that Tom Hardy, mm. after the first one, he, he really likes this character from what we've kind of seen or heard or whatever. Like that that crazy lobster scene in the first movie, I think, was kind of his idea <laughs> or like going over the top and whatnot. So I don't know. I mean, it's cool. Throw him on there. Um Curious on how much, again, you know, he actually added to it. Maybe he was like, hey, let's get that carrot top uh, wig off of Woody Harrelson. Or maybe let's bring it back. And they were like, uh, Tom, I don't think so. Yeah, I think it's okay if we get rid of the wig. Hopefully he'll spend more time in his CG body. I think you guys both have a really good point. I, I think the comparison to Deadpool is awesome. I, I think that's the way Hardy's probably looking at it. And I think the character is going to be better off for that if he's that intimately involved. Sounds like he spent a shitload of time over a few months working with the head screenwriter on working this out. Uh, another fair point is Black Blob fights Red Blob is probably two-thirds of the script. So <laughs> Either that's the case or it's only like 30 seconds at the end and the rest is going to be like a bunch of Ugh. indulgent Tom Hardy scenes, which I hope that that's not no, the case. No, please don't. I hope they balance out a little I more. I hope it, the whole movie is just like that one where he's driving in a car, but it's him and uh, Venom just driving. It's a road trip movie just them driving in car the whole time and it's very dialogue heavy it's going to get nominated for best screenplay um (laughs) it's going to change the superhero genre i'd honestly watch the fuck out of that anyway (laughs) lock how Uh, crazy referring to his lock yeah how crazy would that be though if you had you know a very cheesy ridiculous comic book movie and then the sequel went way art house with it If anyone's going to do it, I hope it's Tom Hardy. I would love to see just all of it. And their dialogue is all, has been funny. And you can tell from the trailers that they're staring into it here. It, it feels like a buddy movie, even though it's not. And so I think the road trip thing could could play out. I think it could be at least as good as Due Date, 
with Galifianakis and Downey Jr. I think if that's the bar, I think Venom could top it. But we'll see. We'll see if they exit the car in this one. Venom, I was going to get a release date on this. Venom, Let There Be Carnage is coming out later this year. September 24th is the scheduled release date. So you'll catch that in theaters in just a couple of months. Yeah. Um, I, and watch out for Tom Hardy's name in the credits there. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, cool that that that, that happened. I just, the, Ven- the first Venom movie, the story and all that, the dialogue, that all wasn't great to begin with. So the cool part of that movie was the action and stuff. So... I uh, I hope that what he contributed is let there be more fighting here. <laughs> let there be more carnage. Yeah, basically that. Yeah, let um, there be carnage. And so I don't want to hear you besmirch the good name of the first Venom movie. There was gen- like a turd in the wind. <laughs> like I don't know how they didn't get nominated for a writing Oscar then. So I don't want to hear you talk any shit on Venom. There was every bit of it was perfect. No no notes. Yeah, <laughs> none. You're watching that through your Spider-Man colored glasses. That's fair. Yeah. Also, as a side note, if you're in the grocery store and you see someone dressed up as Spider-Man, they are also swingers. So keep an eye out for those. Ah, touche. Touche. He's he's been figuring out how to work that one in for a little bit. Man, they be (laughs) shooting ropes everywhere. The the, the ropes are also a pretty clear giveaway that they're swinging. (laughs) In both cases, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's a double... A double entendre, as they say in the biz. Keep an eye out for Venom 2. Let's go now. And I think this is an interesting story because it sort of relates in a roundabout way to, to us and what we like and what we do. You guys were just telling me ahead of time, so I'll, I'll give super high level because you're going to be better at giving the details of the story. But Chris Stuckman, who is a uh, one of the most popular YouTube film reviewers, is now got the green light to make his own movie. And I think this is a fascinating story. Maybe one of you guys can fill in some of the detail here. Yeah, so I was just kind of reading over this and, uh, you know, my whole timeline of, again, following all of these other creators and stuff, a lot of people look up to this this guy. You know, there's kind of two main people on YouTube that have been the biggest reviewers for a long time. You know, millions of subscribers. You have Chris Stuckman, Jeremy Johns, but Chris Stuckman in this case. I don't know, people who are kind of uh, following him have kind of said recently that he's kind of been in a funk. You know, just reviewing movies isn't his thing. He's always had a passion for creating. I think he's done a handful of kind of short films and a few other things like you know behind the camera writing kind of every job and I think it finally today was um greenlit that or announced I guess that he is doing um his first I believe feature film and it's covering some paranormal investigators that essentially go missing I don't know I didn't read too far if it's based on true events but it sounds like an interesting first go i believe that he is a big horror fan again i'm not the biggest fan of him i just i know the name i'm working this sphere but it's cool to see that you know someone who just turned on a camera one day talking about movies years later they're making a movie Mm -hmm. so it's crazy that all of these fans will be able to review their favorite reviewers movie (laughs) (laughs) oh that'll definitely be something that they yeah that'll be interesting about I wonder if there's an element here. I feel like I would feel an added pressure to make a super dope movie because you spend time criticizing. And I don't know if this guy, I don't, I don't watch Stuckman myself. So I don't know if he like really shits on people, but if he does, I I feel like I would feel that added pressure to not fuck anything up because people are going to go, oh, you corrected this thing. And now 
you did the same thing in your movie. And there's a lot of that, right, between filmmakers and critics is like, sometimes you just don't understand what it is to make a movie and it's easier to criticize than it is to make one. So I'm wondering if he's feeling any of that and or if his audience is going to like try to hold him accountable to that. But again, I I don't know how harsh he is. Mm -hmm. But that's how I would like if the people who made like Captain Marvel listened to the episode where I shit on it for an hour and then told me to make a movie, I'd feel like a dumb idiot. So hopefully he's (laughs) able to avoid any of that. Maybe he's just a nice person and people don't think of him the way they think of me. So maybe it's maybe it's a different kind of situation. But I I would definitely feel that extra pressure. I don't know about you guys. The only thing I know about him, because I've never seen a review of his, um, but I did watch a... So he, he kind of came out in the news not too long ago for having been a part of the Jehovah's Witnesses and then leaving that and kind of the crazy stuff that went down going there. And he did like an hour, some long interview or video about about that process. And so I watched that because I saw some tweets about it. The way he told the story was very intriguing. And um, he even mentioned the script and, and wanting to make movies in that too. So... I'll definitely check this movie out. I think that'll be kind of cool to just see the evolution of that from reviewer to filmmaker and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm very much inter- interested to know more about kind of what he was talking about before in the Jehovah what Jehovah's Witnesses video. He said there's more to tell and he's going to do it later. Maybe he's going to tell some of it through this movie. I don't know what this movie's about at all, but maybe this is it. And I can actually see that being the case with him making that news of the Jehovah Witness stuff. People like, studios or whatever probably were like oh yeah we this already has traction people know about it let's make a movie about it mm-hmm. i could see that being the case yeah i'm reading this thing quick again it's just kind of a once over but it says that he is set to write and direct the mystery horror movie called shelby oaks mm-hmm. which i don't know it says here it's a fictional mid-2000s u.s paranormal investigative team but then again it does kind of sound like there's some real elements as well mm-hmm. where you know like even just last week like a video of these like missing people essentially just surfaced online and people are speculating like the the validity of it so it sounds like they even talk about a little bit about just horror and then ARGs. I don't know if you guys know what those are, where it's like alternate reality games where like people are playing like a reality game in real life. And that's what they're saying that these paranormal people maybe went missing during that, especially with, you know, these random videos just popping up on you, like Reddit recently. You just lost me entirely. I have no with idea. With ARGs? Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? I don't know, man. I, I know a lot about just the most Sounds nonsensical awesome. things where, like, for example, I'm trying to think, there was, a, there was some movie that did some ARG marketing scheme where people had to, like, go around the U.S. and find these random clues and then piece it together and then they found out, like, a okay. URL for the first trailer of a movie. Gotcha. Like, that's, oh. like, an example of it. Gotcha. Um, okay, I'm following you. Yep. So, basically, the, the movie set the, this all up and brought these people quote-unquote back like actors back i think so to for marketing for a movie gotcha Th- okay yeah there's plenty of, there's plenty of those types of things that yeah i get what you're saying now so he's taking inspiration from a real story though right where these paranormal people disappeared that's what it sounds like yeah this is a good i like the idea of arg it's it's dungeons and dragons if you stood up from the table and walked around is kind of how i have pictured this in my head so i like it anything new that people are doing to get Get their stuff marketed out there is, is interesting to me. And, and if Stuckman, he must have some attachment or must, you know, really be interested in that story if that's what he decided to make his first movie based on. I'm wondering, do you guys feel I am afflicted with with a permanent version of this trait, which is that if I watch anything closely enough for long enough, I'm certain I could do it myself. I'm wondering, do you guys feel like because of the last few years, how closely you've been watching movies and how you've been critiquing them, do you feel like you have a 
better understanding of how to make a movie than the average person or does it not translate at all in your heads like do you feel like you could go fucking make a movie if you got a real chance to do so based on what you've learned could you end up making one yes would it be good probably not uh in terms of your first question i think the original the foundation of that question do i think i can recognize more stuff when i'm watching movies Yes, and sometimes it's more even a detriment because I'm sitting there trying to figure it out in my head instead of focusing on the movie. Like if there's something really cool or a really cool shot or hell, I I mean, I've I've talked with um, I think both of you guys about this in terms of like like recognizing things in scripts that like whether or not they come back or not or like the foundation of a script because I just finished reading or have gone through reading a screenwriting book. So I'm recognizing that like part of parts from that screenwriting book in the movie and I'm like oh that's because this is relating to that from this part of the script and I just get that almost annoys me sometimes like if, if a movie's not uh, grabbing me as quickly but um, in terms of the could I go make a movie tomorrow again could put, probably put one together but I don't think it would be any good <laughs> yeah I think it's probably the same answer the thing is I like doing things um I find it more difficult to bring more people into the mix so if anything it'd be a thing where I'm like filming it all myself be like inside having- yeah, it'd be something similar to that, but then again, you know, you're limited in stationary cams. There's there would be like no tracking shots, so it very it'd be very pedestrian mm-hmm. at that point. I mean, there's there's been some movies that we've watched, you know, at festivals or small indies that are like that, but they have a great story in there. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think if anything, I could I think it'd be cool to do a short. You know, I think mm-hmm. that'd be the mm-hmm. you know first step, but then yeah. go from there. Again, I'm going to be honest, people. I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. So maybe one day, um, <laughs> maybe one day myself or you guys, all of us, will be making a movie. So who knows? When I'm thinking of your question there, I'm thinking it more of like in your Captain Marvel thing where basically, you, you know, Cap, the people who, who said, basically, who heard your review of Captain Marvel and like crush it and everything like that. If they said like, you make Captain Marvel now with like the cameras and the budget and like all that stuff. I, that, that's where I'm like, I don't know that doing that for your first time movie. That oh, would good look, luck. That, that would be terrible. I think yeah. anyone who steps I, into that for their first time movie, but I if, have a panic attack after 15 minutes. <laughs> be like, okay. So these, these 200 people need to know what to do today. And yep. I'd be like, uh, I quit. You guys but, are great. But if like, if you said, here's some money, come up with a movie, make it and execute it. I think that would be, better than what a Captain Marvel product would be but like again still no formal training and figuring out as you go it's probably not gonna be the best product oh yeah I'm having Mm -hmm. a breakdown just ordering craft services (laughs) yeah no shit I'd have to delegate a lot I think that would be my first thing is I would hire a bunch of people who knew more than I did and then I'd just start pointing in directions hey do that you got yeah you got it you got it that'd be the only question I'd ask on set you got it you got it you got it you basically then become Bob Iger or whoever's running Disney. You're like, here's money. Go make this. Yeah. <laughs> then the yep. original director would be like, it's not what I told you to do, man. <laughs> man, that would be the dream. But Iger and those guys, they they literally go, okay, here's a dollar. In a year, I need you to bring me back 20,000 of these. And uh, go. <laughs> yeah. like that's effectively what those guys do. The multiples on that shit are fucking insane. But. Yep. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Jared Buckendall, Inside, is going to be releasing <laughs> later this year. And uh, Captain Marvel 3, releasing in 2026, is going oh, yeah. to be uh, written, directed, and starring socially constipated. So <laughs> keep an eye out for both of those Hell things. Hell yeah. Let's replace oh, this progressive yeah. movie starring a female superhero with three dudes. <laughs> uh, yes, the way Hollywood intended it to be. <laughs> 
I, I'm just, I just get upset when they take characters like Captain Marvel and like make them into a woman. I just don't get it, <laughs> right? Like, oh, they do these for these woke snowflakes, da, da 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 Like, let's get it back to where it needs to be. We need white men as Captain Marvel. And, I mean, the uh, name I Captain will... refers to a man. Don't Cody you know will... that? Exactly. <laughs> Cody will be Miss Marvel. <laughs> I could be Miss Marvel, yeah. Give me a wig. I'll do barely anything to change my voice, and I think I'd be a convincing girl, so... <laughs> You got one more in there, Seth? No, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was ri- winding up there. I, I felt you winding up, and I was like, let's get out of this segment before we start piling on how much of a girl I am. Um, <laughs> last piece of news here before we get out of the headlines is a somber one. The, the film world lost Richard Donner over the weekend. Uh, if you're on Twitter or anywhere, you probably saw a lot related to him and sort of his legacy. The original Superman movies from the 70s, were made by Donner, and I, to be honest with you guys, really haven't seen much by him. I really am not familiar with his filmography at all, but everyone in the film sphere seemed to have some sort of uh, tribute or something to him. So it feels only right that we give him a good old RIP here. I don't, do either of you guys have more of a familiarity with his filmography than I do outside of Superman? Yeah, I, I mean, he did The Goonies, right? Yes. Yep. I've seen bits and p- pieces of that. I've seen the the... Seventy-eight Superman is that one that came out? Yeah, um, Superman is, yeah. the movie. Nice one. Good call. Boom. Ooh, uh, Lethal Weapon is in yeah. here. I that, didn't know yeah, that's he did a, Lethal that's, Weapon. He has a, he has a very strange filmography because I think he also has some like artsier movies too. If I remember yeah. right. I know people. I, I jumped on TikTok live the other day, um, and a handful of people were asking me to talk about it or whatever. And yeah, the Goonies and Lethal Weapon were probably the two that really stood out to me. But he also was executive producer or had you know some sort of connection with a lot of other um, movies because it looked like he was executive producer on a lot of the first X Men movies up until I oh, think X Men Wolverine Origins. I think that might have been the last one he was connected with. So I guess in a roundabout way. Oh wow, timeline. I'm seeing timeline. How is he connected to that? Paul Walker, Gerard Butler. Oof, there we go. Yeah, he directed it. I didn't know. Wow, he there we go, with. people. Um, so yeah, it he, did I mean, not do well monetarily, but no, it also did the Lost not. Boys. A lot of people love the Lost Boys. Did he direct that? He did not direct it. That was Joel Schumacher. He must have been some sort of producer. Also, 1993's Free Willy is oh, on here. Oh hell yeah, hell yeah, man, dude. That soundtrack by MJ and that whale is jumping. Yeah, he's got to get that Willy out there. <laughs> Please show me your dick. Show me your willy. <laughs> that was a favorite in the Michael household. So he Hell must yeah. have been some sort of producer on that one as well. So definitely a, a wide effect from Richard Donner. So R.I.P. to you, sir. And um, I guess go out there and watch yourself some Superman this weekend. Mm-hmm. So R.I.P. to Richard Donner. Good luck on the movie to Chris Stuckman. And congratulations to Tom Hardy on his writing credit. That's going to wrap up this week's bathroom reading. Sitting on the toilet. Now flush. (laughs) So let's turn. We have a lot of time now to spend on some reviews. We saw a bunch of stuff. And so let's dive into it. Here are the reviews for the week. Mom, what do you think? I love it. All right, let me let me knock out a couple off the top here that I can that I can do quickly. The first thing Jared talked about this last week, America the Motion Picture. This is the animated movie about the the American Revolution, kind of jams a bunch of American history together with these like hyper masculine bros. It's historically uh, correct, I as believe. As the founding fathers. It feels very accurate. <laughs> Honestly, it feels more accurate than most of the other shit that 
we've seen about the revolution. This was such a fun time. I, I fired this up on the 4th, drank a couple of beers, had some pizza, and uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, Jared, I think you had mentioned there's like a joke every 10 seconds in here. Yep. And if you blink, you're going to miss one. I really enjoyed watching this with subtitles. I think when there's that many jokes, it's it would be easy to miss if not for the subtitles, which just in general I'm using more of. Super, super fun. Get a couple of buds, get a couple of beers, and watch America, the motion picture. And I'll, I'll reemphasize something, Jared, that you mentioned last week. Uh, Jason Mantzoukas as Sam Adams in here uh, was a standout <laughs> for me. Fucking hilarious. There's so many just in-jokes, the, the Vietnam joke. The way, the way they treat, like, Benedict Arnold. Uh, Channing Tatum is George Washington. I didn't know that until, like, two-thirds of the way through. I finally mm-hmm. had to look it up. I was like, this is driving me nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was exactly as it was teed up. This It nails what it's going for here. The for John sure. Henry stuff's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the arc of Paul Revere uh, was surprisingly, <laughs> yeah. surprisingly interesting for me. So, again, uh, if you're a history buff or if you're like me, you like to take every opportunity to take the piss out of history that is what this movie history. does so check that out check that out on netflix right now i'll also quickly mention that damn michael che this is on hbo max it's a six episode series which is michael che so if you watch saturday night live you know he's one of the head writers and one of the hosts of weekend update this is kind of his I don't like comparing like this, but it's quicker to do so. It's like his Chappelle show, Key and Peel, that type of thing, right? So it sketches. What's interesting about this one, though, is he's really not going over the top with a lot of this, and it's him in the sketches. It's not like him playing a character. It's just Che all the time. So it's kind of him making his way through the world and addressing some some of the important things. So it deals with a lot about blackness. There's police brutality. There's things about America. And it's very, um, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was really funny. Uh, and it was nice to see him not hemmed in by what you can get on network TV also. I think that was the most fun part for, part for me was getting to see him stretch his legs and, and write. Because for HBO, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Mm-hmm. So this was cool. If you're a fan of Michael Che, highly recommend the show. That damn Michael Che. Six episodes on HBO. And that's all available now. You can go check it out. Bada boom. Bada boom. Bada boom. Bada boom. Waka waka. <laughs> okay. So let's turn to some of the bigger releases for this weekend. Let's start with Zola. This is one. Did you guys both see this? Sure did. Did okay, my so homework. We all saw Zola. Happy this one is the first movie that I'm aware of that's based on tweets. Um, there was they, they start the there movie was a TV show. mentioning what was the TV show? It was William Shatner. Was it like shit my dad says or whatever? Oh, that's right. Wow, I forgot that that happened. <laughs> Holy shit, man, we're old. If shit my dad says Twitter is something everyone's we're old. Zola's based on, I think the thread was like 150 tweets long yeah. from the perspective of a stripper who went on this crazy ass adventure in Tampa, Florida and ran into some interesting characters here. Riley Keough and Coleman Domingo are Taylor the, Page. Um, Taylor Page, you will recognize. Tight, tight casts, uh, tight cast, not a, not a ton of folks in this. There was also... The guy that the boyfriend makes friends with is an actor from other stuff. He played um, Easy E in Straight Outta Compton. I can't pull his oh, name. Oh, yeah. I don't know his name either. I'll pull it up while you guys are talking this. Nicholas Braun um, is also in this from Succession. Oh, there you go. Succession appears too. This is your... It's A24's take on like a wacky road trip story, but also like 
there's stuff that's kind of heavy in this. I thought this was an interesting mix between some really like honestly attempting at humor in this, not just like irony or, or silliness, but like straight up humor. They're trying to make you laugh in this, but also has that gritty A24-ness to it. And I think that would be what I would say is I enjoyed this. It feels A24. Like you could show me this and I would have asked, is this A24? The way they do the soundtrack, the way the pacing is. I think they had to stretch a little bit to get feature length out mm-hmm. of this story. And you feel that. But that was my only complaint. I thought this was, I liked the character work in here. Um, the acting was good. I thought it was funny. It was surprising. Not the kind of movie that I'm used to seeing. And it felt for me like a nice change of pace. So I, I had a fun time at the theater seeing this. What'd you guys think? Yeah, I think they're um, kind of adding to your A24 point. There was It kind of felt like they changed up styles a little bit throughout the movie. It kind of like almost felt like it was jumping out of reality and then jumping back in in terms of like that the reality of the story they're in. A lot of interesting like music choices. Just the look of it kind of had a strange. It almost it had like a like a filter over it. It just kind of felt mm-hmm. like it felt like old a little bit. And that could have just been my theater like screen. Like nineties esque almost. Yeah, yeah there was yeah. a lot of green. Even, it didn't pl- take place in the nineties. It was twenty fifteen, no. but <laughs> it had like a Florida Project filter. Yep. On it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, I liked it too, though. I mean, we all know that I like the, the A24 style movies anyway. So give me something weird and, and kind of like something unique. This movie is definitely unique. And I think that that's something I look for, especially the A24. And, and I got that out of this one. Like like you said, though, Cody, it is a little, felt like they stretched it out. It felt a little, little long. They could have probably cut some stuff out, but it would only been like an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> but definitely worth the watch, though, I think. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm right there with you guys. I vaguely remember hearing about this story back when it actually was happening on Twitter or, you know, people writing articles about it. So it was interesting to kind of see this uh, fleshed out, essentially. And again, you know, there's, there's some things that are probably fantasized, dramatized um, a little bit in this. You, you mentioned the score was one thing that really stood out to me where... It was almost like this very kind of calming, almost like mm. it felt like Rugrats esque, like <laughs> non threatening score, but such a chaotic story of what is actually happening on screen. Of like right after something pretty heavy happens, then it's like, you know, this calming music. The way that they definitely like switch out styles, like they do something funny with the characters in there and, you know, see, tell a story from a different perspective is funny. My biggest problem was, yeah, you're saying that, you know, it was maybe uh, drawn out a little bit more, but the ending, I felt like it was such an abrupt ending where I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, wait, that that's it? And again, it, you know, it's a, it's a weekend story. It's almost this like, hey, this is a look into these people's lives over a two-day period. And... That was maybe my biggest problem with it. Um, also, I guess if you don't want to see a bunch of peen on screen, um, <laughs> peen on screen, mm-hmm. peen on screen, there's quite a bit of it, people. Peen on screen. Please show me your dick. That was a casting call for a lot of people in this movie. Yeah, it's it's gritty, it's dirty, it's funny. I the last thing I will say is Coleman Domingo has a scene in here. I'll just say accents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is one of the coolest things I've ever seen an actor do is, yeah. is this is, one scene of his. He is awesome. He's this. a great actor. He doesn't, I mean, he's been in a lot of like prominent roles, like in prominent movies, but kind of smaller roles. Um, I think he needs to get a chance to lead something soon. He, uh, he's been on, I mean, he, the, the show was mediocre, but he was great on, he was easily the best part on Fear the Walking Dead. And he's still on it, I think. But that's where I first saw him. And even then I'm like, he is way better than all these people. <laughs> 
Riley Keough is doing work here too. I can't remember the last thing I saw her in. Mm-hmm. Was she the one? Yeah, The Lodge. You watch The Lodge and watch oh, this yeah. movie, and you, you won't you won't realize that they're both the the same person. Yeah. Um, so shouts out to her too. But Zola is getting a thumbs up from us. You can catch this in theaters now, and uh, eighty six on Tomatoes. Last uh, I looked. So Col- it's Coleman Domingo might have. Reviews. Uh, just one of the coolest speaking voices generally though like yep. yeah outside of the the accent just his normal speaking voice he's like so cool and like chill and suave like, <laughs> yeah i want that guy's voice <laughs> yeah he is a cool motherfucker he's gonna be leading some stuff soon let's go now to this is a really interesting project i think the fear street series on netflix we all caught the first chapter of fear street um this last week which is 1994 i believe and Jared, why don't we start with you here? Uh, what did you think of, of Fear Street Part 1? Yeah, so Fear Street is based off of, uh, I guess, a successful novel series from R.L. Stein. R.L. Uh, Stein. R.L. Stein. Goosebumps. Ooh, spooky. Bumpy gooses. Cookie crisp. Um, cookie crisp. Yeah, I was I was interested because they said that this was going to be a trilogy. You know, it's com- one of these movies is coming out every single week, and I was curious. I'm like, what? Okay, what's this going to be? And just from the opening bit, it feels very nostalgic of a '90s movie. Like, mm-hmm. there's a quite a few kind of homages to you know other '90s movies, like Scream, for example. Yeah. But then the they twist it. Yeah. yeah, the the beginning. Very Scream. Very Scream esque, but they twist it a little bit and do yeah. something that's a little unexpected every so often throughout the film i think it it again it had that perfect blend of 90s like scream with the right amount of cheesiness like i probably 20 30 minutes in i was like i i'm rooting for these kids i'm on for this you know weird wacky story i'm curious on where it's gonna go you know i had i had some problems here or they or with uh maybe logic or you know why a certain scene was where it was but nothing to really ruin it like i had a great time with this one watched mm-hmm. it with uh my brother and it was it was a fun slasher movie mm-hmm. yeah I, I like on top like adding on top of that i so as you mentioned it's a trilogy they put a bunch of like little seeds and lay a good foundation yeah. for what these other two are going to be so much so mm-hmm. as like essentially not to spoil anything but these type of things have been happening for years and years and years and they go through and mention like, like seven different, different ones. years yeah like a whole bunch of them and like show different clips of them and all that at the end of this one they show a little like teaser or clips of the next one and they kind of even in the in the movie itself they they spend more time on the ones you know are coming the is it 78 is the yeah, next 78 one? is the and next then 16, one then 16, 66. yeah and they spend a little bit more time talking about those specific ones in the movie um so again kind of setting up the the next two movies i i was super intrigued and like trying to like hear for that because i knew there was more coming and they were all related from what you told told me last week jared so mm-hmm. i was like trying to like purposely listen and be like okay this is going to show up in that movie or like whatever kind of like again the mcu stuff why i get mm-hmm. so interested in that and like what the little easter eggs there any anything you can give me a little bit of a string or a little bit of a, a cookie crumb for the next week yeah i uh, i'm gonna be more interested in the movie and pay more attention so i liked it a lot i love the slasher vibe i love the 90s vibe the music the ni- was good the mu- yeah, there was so much. Yeah. Well, the first like twenty minutes of it though, I'm like, okay, how many fucking '90s songs are you gonna run through here? Oh, we're kept, getting like, them all. We're getting they, now they, one through seven, baby. It was like Nirvana and like Pearl Jam. Like they just kept throwing every single like '90s band, like night band from like '94 or prior in there, and trying to to yeah. give you that nostalgia. But 
Yeah, I like it Pretty aggressive with the needle drops. That stuck out to me, too. I was like, okay, there's a level at which this is going to feel pandery. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was ready to use the egg-dropping sequel setup stuff as a negative for this. And if it were a standalone movie and we weren't getting the sequel for two years, I would be absolutely torching it for that. Yep. But because we know that part two is coming out this week, in fact, I think it's already out as of the release of this podcast, and part three is coming up immediately after, I'm more okay with it here. This this is definitely a standalone feature, but the fact that we're getting the entire trilogy within just a few weeks, I think allows them to do that. And so I am here for it. Uh, I agree with you guys. It feels almost more like a miniseries. Yep, that's exactly um, what I was about to say. Is It's like more of a miniseries than it is a series of movies. Yeah, and, you know, it, they they nailed the aesthetic. It took me back to the movies of that time. I rooted for the kids. I gave a shit enough to be, like, you know, upset when someone died or root for them when they were running away. So this it was nice. It was just a really nice, the type of horror movie that we don't get anymore because they want to make you the most disturbed you've ever been in your entire fucking life mm-hmm. when they make movies now. So I, this was a nice throwback to me. Definitely am going to catch these next two right away. Mm-hmm. So I guess, you know, we'll definitely have that review next week for part two. So watch along with us. Netflix has Fear Street Part 1 1994 available to watch now. So go check it out. It's getting the thumbs up from us. I will I will say one last thing is like, I was I was caught off guard almost at how how like gnarly and gruesome some of the <laughs> yeah. kind of material and kills were where I was like yeah let's do this but also like oh god why'd they do that <laughs> yeah it'll be interesting to talk in a couple weeks when they when they finish this trilogy out because if it does stick if it does land I'm curious if Netflix will start trying to do stuff like this to yeah. really hook people for a whole month you know well they can keep doing mm-hmm. these too like they could do oh, Fear yeah. Street nineteen. 19- 88 or whatever like they plan to do. Yeah, what, yeah, because, again, you know, no spoilers, but they mention basically every, de- I think. every decade could have a movie. Yeah. And even more than that, like, they could do they could do Fear Street a thousand times, mm-hmm. I think, based on the way that they set up the lore in this. And this does feel uniquely Netflix. No other studio can make three movies and then wait to put them out until they're all done. I don't know what other studio could or would do that. Mm-hmm. So I'm in agreement with you guys. Netflix, keep doing shit like this. And give us these unique release schedules. I think this is an opportunity for them. And hopefully people enough people watch that they see that and do more stuff like it, because I think it's dope. Bada boom. <laughs> Bada boom, indeed. Two more movies to go here. So Summer of Soul is the directorial debut of Questlove from The Roots. And it's essentially a documentary that covers the Harlem Soul Festival in 1969, which at the time was billed as the Black Woodstock. Uh, Same summer as Woodstock is going on. And what's really cool about Summer of Soul is it kind of takes you through the festival, which did go all summer. It's different from like current festivals in that it's like every weekend all summer instead of just for like 10 days. And they had these massive acts come through. They had like 50,000 people in a park in Harlem. And it ended up being this like big cultural touchstone that completely got forgotten about. Uh, Like all the tape was lost it didn't get re-aired. No one talked about it forever. There's scenes in this movie where people are like, I'm so glad you guys found this tape because I thought I had dreamed this. And I thought that was a really cool thing. If you're into music, history, especially black history, this is a big black cultural touchstone, then you're going to find... And, and the way that this festival permeated out through the entirety of the culture, like it wasn't just about what music was dope at the time. There was civil rights was involved. Vietnam is involved. There's so much going on that somehow ended up 
right here in, in Harlem, which I thought was super, super cool. The thing I would highlight about the film itself, you can tell Questlove really gave a shit about this project. Mm-hmm. You can tell it feels very personal to him. And the thing that I liked potentially even more is this feels like a playlist. The whole movie to yeah. me, they're showing you a lot of the performances in full and cutting in different dialogue and news stories and things like that. It feels like Questlove has curated a playlist and that's the documentary. I love the style. I hope he does more things like it, but I think you can see his music talent in here, mm-hmm. the way he paces it and moves things in and out of the story through the music. I thought this was awesome. Definitely black homework, so I'm, I'm glad I caught it before Seth had to assign it to me. And uh, big recommend. It's on Hulu, yeah. uh, and I'm giving it two thumbs. I, I think this was dope. Seth, do you like it as well? Yeah, I did. Um, kind of, again, adding to that, I think... The thing that I noticed up front, the structure at least, as they were kind of introducing the whole thing, is that they would show each artist and kind of give a little bio on each one too, like kind of what where they're at in their career at that point, why this, why they're, why them being there is important and all that stuff. So that was pretty interesting because I learned a lot about artists that I maybe knew very little about or had no idea about. And then they kind of talked about different styles of music that I knew nothing about how and how that influenced the music in the 70s and that type of thing. Basically how this this festival was the emergence of the 70s as well, like style and all that and music and all that. And then obviously the the importance of the biggest part of it is is the culture and essentially how it relates back to to Black Lives Matter and everything going on now too. So very still very current. Um a lot of cool interviews and artists that they have involved with it. Cool to see some of like the the most famous people like Stevie Wonder, Gladys Knight, very young and like she was at the beginning of her career and like how that kind of propelled her and like how Stevie Wonder also like was at a po- at a turning point in his career, at a pivotal moment in his career where like he could either continue what he was doing or try something new and have a voice. So all that was like really really cool and mm-hmm. to fit all that into 2 hours and a festival that was, I mean, I'm super, super important, but not known and fit all that in two hours, plus give you education on all those people. And again, with culture and all that stuff too, it's, it was, it was excellent. And, and they spent a lot of time, like, like you said, like it, it felt like a, like they just spent a lot of time on the, on the performances. Like you get a lot of the music, like the playlists, like you're mentioning, you get big chunks of songs in this where they just kind of stick on that, on the, the, the film from that time and let you hear the performance and all that. And then they'll cut in little facts and that type of thing. It was dope. You talked about it being timely. It is eerie Mm -hmm. how some of the dialogue and interviews and announcements and things that they're talking about in this, you could just take it and stick it on CNN now. And it would be this fucking same. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I think that's probably more bad than good, but uh, it's, it's interesting Mm -hmm. regardless. This is, this is definitely a thumb up, a marvel of editing to your point, Seth, that they were able to get all this in there. I don't know if they had just great cameras back then or if they've remastered it, but all that footage and sound is really, really good. Yeah, it had to have been worked on some. But, you know, I guess cameras were, I think, better than I imagined they were then. But, yeah, it looked like there had to have been some work done on them because you stop mm-hmm. noticing that it's old footage yeah. after a while, yep. which I thought was pretty Other cool. Other the clothes and stuff like that. And, Jared, you haven't seen this one yet, have you? No, unfortunately, this one, I don't know what film festival it was playing at, but I just, it slipped through the cracks. But with you, what you guys are saying and stuff, I, I definitely got to check this out. For yeah, sure. It'll get funky. For sure, so. You're going to get funky, too. Yeah. That's all you, I Don't need. be afraid to get up and get a little dancey. I know and I, I was. And I will be honest, it looks like it's supposed to rain all weekend, so the, freeing up my schedule to just watch a bunch of stuff I've been missing, so. <laughs> I dig it. This is Summer of Soul. It's on Hulu now, so go check that one out. Also in theaters. 
the same time. So either way, go check out Summer of Soul. It's getting a recommend from us as well. Here comes a movie that <laughs> suddenly came oh, out no. uh-huh, <laughs> without anyone knowing. I don't know how they snuck this movie under our radars, but Steven Soderbergh has dropped a tasty surprise on HBO Max for us. And Seth, you caught this one over the weekend. Let us know if it's a surprise we should go check out. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, this is one that I am pretty surprised that uh, they didn't do a lot of marketing for. Considering the cast and Soderbergh involved and all that, I mean, especially with HBO Max, it's like you're still relatively new with your platform. You know, you should probably push some of your movies, especially one that has tons of different actors that you can probably grab onto someone and get them to see this movie. But just going through the list here quick, like Don Cheadle is kind of the main star. Uh, Brendan Fraser, Benicia Del Toro is also kind of like the other co-lead. Julia Fox, who is in Uncut Gems, he was the the girl he was uh, cheating on with mm. on that one. Kieran Culkin, David Harbour, Noah Jupe, who's the kid in um, Quiet Place. Ooh. John Hamm is in it for a bit. They just kind of have like a, a Ray Liotta uh, shows up for a while. So, there, I mean, there's there's a just a kind of a rotating list of cast here. There's also a pretty great, I won't say who it is, but there's a pretty great uncredited um, role at the end of the movie that it's a pretty high profile actor that's in it. And it's pretty cool that they show up and the way they the way they reveal him is really, really cool, too. So if you don't know who that is, I would say don't read into this movie at all. Um, just watch this because I was like, holy shit, that's awesome. I think that the part of this movie that in general is awesome is that is the whole movie is like a surprise. Like you don't really know. They, they kind of just throw you in. The basic premise is Don Cheadle, Benicio Del Toro, and Kieran Culkin are called on upon by Brendan Fraser to do a job. Hmm. Bren, Brendan Fraser is like the, the he's like a mob boss type guy. I can't tell if he has gained a lot of weight or they put prosthetics on him. But if it was prosthetics, they do a great job because I'm sitting there trying to look at him. He looks like Kingpin from Spider-Man. Just like in terms of mm-hmm. like he's he's fat, he's built, he's got a good double chin going. So I don't know if that's him or if it's the if it's prosthetics. I haven't seen him recently. But he's some of both. He's definitely gotten bigger. But he's a crime boss. He calls upon them to do a job. They don't really know what it is. They just know they need to get a document from a safe. And those guys go off to David Harbour's house, and he somehow is has access to those documents. That's from there. They just reveal things slowly and kind of unfold the mystery of like what they're stealing, what deals are involved, who's who is who is a scheme, a scheming who. A lot of scheming in this movie. But overall, it's it's a pretty engaging mystery. It does get a little convoluted at times, and it's sometimes hard to follow. Uh, unless you're paying like specific attention because they throw so many characters and actors at you you're like okay who are they and what are they doing and so sometimes it takes a little bit and they don't like outright say sometimes like who they are i almost i almost wanted to give an example there but even Uh that would kind of give it away Uh oh um even some of like the actors though that they um they reference that they might know each other but then maybe they don't but maybe they do like there's just kind of like a lot of that going on where it's like what don't we know here and how do i figure this out (laughs) Even up to the very end, like this, this has a lot of turns and twists and surprises all the way to the end of the movie. So it's very, I mean, it's Soderbergh. It's a mystery. You know, he, mm-hmm. he keeps you, he keeps you going the whole time of like, you know, do I really know know what's going on here? So very great addition and in, in terms of his uh, his library, a lot of really good performances. Very interesting story. It takes place in the fifties as well. So it's a got a fifties. I forgot to mention that's probably a big part of it. it takes place in the fifties. So with the mob stuff. 
you know, there's there's a lot of that going on. That's where Brendan Fraser being the mob boss going on going there. And then like in terms of murdering and stealing and things like that, I think part of the the 50s setting is it makes it easier to do that. You know, there's not a lot of cameras mm-hmm. and ballistics and things like that to try and figure out like people are just getting shot you know and like that's mm-hmm. that they can just lie to the cops and that type of thing so um i think that also is something cool with this movie i, I enjoyed it a lot though i if you like soderbergh you're gonna love this i think well i certainly do like soderbergh obviously the oceans movies he had the unsane which never gets talked about but i thought was excellent that they mm-hmm. shot on an iphone logan lucky which is one of our collective favorites that's also him right i hope i'm yes. getting that right i believe yes. so yep yeah, so stack cast. This is high on. This is probably the top movie on my mm. list to watch. And if you're like me, it is available on HBO Max right now. So go check it out. So we have No Sudden Move, Summer of Soul, Fear Street, Zola, That Damn Michael Che, and America the Motion Picture. Excellent fucking weekend for movie and TV watching. All of it is getting uh, hearty recommendations from us. And that's what we've got for reviews. Plenty for you to go out and watch. Mom? What do you think? I love it. I hated it. Jared, before we get to one more thing, I know this will be super quick because we've already teed up what we're talking about next week, but let's real quickly tell the folks at home what we'll be reviewing a week from now. It's coming right for us! Yeah, people, some stuff coming out. Basically, the day you are listening to this, you can check out Marvel, the MCU's latest movie, Black Widow. Check that out. ScarJo is back. It's MCU, baby. And then, like we kind of mentioned earlier, Fear Street Part 2 will be on Netflix today as well. If you haven't watched Part 1, go and watch that. Jump into Part 2. Get excited and ready for Part 3 coming next week. Other than that, I don't think there's really anything big coming out. So use this weekend to catch up on stuff we are reviewing. Booyah. Fear Street, Black Widow, coming back next week. It's coming right for us! And we got to get you out of here, folks. So uh, let's get to one more thing here. I rewatched Bo Burnham's Inside over the weekend. It was my second viewing. I feel like I'm the only person who hasn't seen it 25 times. I've listened to it 30 million. Yeah, I've seen I would listen to it every day. <laughs> I was a little underwhelmed compared to other people's reviews the first time I watched it. I'm still not screaming from the rooftops that this is the most incredible thing ever made like some folks. But big jump in my enjoyment level this time, I will say. Knowing what to expect and being prepared for that is very important if you haven't seen Inside. Yeah. The thing that that surprised me this time, or that surprised me less this time, is it doesn't is not made to make you feel good. And I think that's the thing I wasn't yeah. ready for. <laughs> I felt horrible after the second time I watched this, but this time I recognized that that was the point in part. So that's what I will say is rewatching Inside added to my prior review. So I'm going to go back and check it out some more uh, as long as I'm not already depressed because that's not going to be a helpful movie if you're already depressed. So that, that's what I got. Uh, inside is climbing my ladder. My one more thing, I'm going to be quick and I don't want to take this, you know, every single week and do a, do a TikTok brag, but Maybe an algorithm went in my favor. Something's going on. I don't know. But we're at 4.9 million views for a video. So um, that goal of 5 million is... By the time this comes out, we we will have hit it. So um, I guess we have to make another goal of, what, 10 million? Is that the next one we're going for? We got to take it to the moon, baby. <laughs> yes! To the moon. We need to go up to space. Oh, yeah. Get up there. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's that's very exciting. Thank you, everyone. That is. 
I, if we every week have to do TikTok bragging, we'll do it as a separate segment. And I would love nothing more than to be talking about all the success you're having over there. Again, if you're missing the party, folks, J Buck Studios on TikTok is the place to be. Go check out that Scott Pilgrim it, TikTok and push it up to 5 million for us. It's Talk Talk. The Talk Talk. All right, my one more thing. Finally finished after it's been out for like a year and a half, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I just wanted to see if there's anything connecting and how basically how it finished out because I'd spent all that time watching Mephisto? it. Mephisto? Mephisto is in it. Him and uh, Phil Coulson uh, get married. It's pretty cool. Holy shit. Oh, uh, no. Um, but it does actually they... introduce timeline stuff that I think, I mean, it, and they also do like the, the quantum realm stuff for like time travel, like how they do in the Avengers and all that. So they still, they actually kind of, not introduce, but like, and it won't connect to Loki, but essentially with Loki introducing that t- same type of thing with timelines and all that and variants. So I think if they wanted to explain how Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. could still exist in the Marvel Universe but not be a part of the main Marvel timeline, they totally could do that. And eventually, if they wanted to bring in, like, uh, Chloe Bennett, who played um, Quake, if they wanted to bring Quake into the main timeline, they could actually do that in a way, I think. So I thought that was kind of cool. I enjoyed it, though. Marvel always is thinking a little bit more than we give them credit for, even though we give them credit for thinking about a lot of shit. So uh, go back and check out Marvel's Agents no, of S.H.I.E.L.D. Don't actually go check do out. That. <laughs> oh, don't do it. It's not good. No, don't do it. But it does connect if you were looking for a reason. Kind of. Um, you don't need a reason to go to J Buck Studios on TikTok. We already given you. We're already giving you 4.9 million reasons to do so. And if you've already seen Inside, go give it another shot if you are underwhelmed like me, and it may grow on you. So that's what we got for one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. Appreciate y'all joining us this week. Uh, hopefully we've given you some, some recommendations that you'll go out and enjoy this weekend. Um, hit us up on sociallyconstipatedpod.com. Jump into those comments. Let us know what you liked or didn't like about the movies we reviewed and the stories we talked about this week. Also, don't forget to go there, check out all of our sponsors, all of our social media links, like, comment, subscribe, follow, all that good stuff. Never know when you might be going home with a free pair of movie tickets from Socially Constipated. So that's going to wrap us up for the week. Hope you guys enjoy your weekend. Uh, That is Jared Buckendall and Seth Ott. I'm Cody Michael, and we'll see you next week. Bye.